Before I read the scripture lesson, I would like to say if you're visiting with us today, this is a communion service today and you are welcome. It is an open table. We welcome you to the table of Christ this morning. The progress of the service may be unusual to you, so I beg our members, if you have a visitor sitting near you, please aid them through the rubrics in the hymnal. And in just a few moments after the meditation, Andrew and I will leave the sanctuary. It's not over. Uh, Andrew and I will leave to put on the surpluses that represent the presence of Christ among us, serving you, the body and blood. So just know these things are happening. And now let's turn to the scripture lesson in the bulletin, Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. In the wilderness, Jesus is tempted by the devil. You know this story. We read one gospel's version or another every year on the first Sunday in Lent. In the Luke version that you heard today, as well as in the Matthew version, the devil tempts Jesus with power. And he does it with scripture. The devil is awfully good at what the devil does, right? After Jesus twice turns him away with quotes from the Hebrew scriptures, the devil, stepping up his game, at last comes back with a quote of his own. The nerve of this guy the craftiness, the cruelty. When he wants to tempt Jesus with power, he holds up for examination the power of God as shown in Psalm 91, the psalm you have just now read. Why did the devil choose this psalm? Well, if we dare, let us look at this through the devil's eyes. If I am the devil... What can I find in Psalm 91 that I can use to my advantage? Honestly, if I am the devil, I'm going to be staying up at night studying the Psalms. Because if I'm the devil, I really want to understand people, their hopes, their fears, their weaknesses. That's how I am going to destroy them. And the Psalms are a textbook of the human heart. In divinity school, I used to hear the Psalms are not God talking to people. The Psalms are people talking to God. And those people have a lot to say. 
They mourn their mortal losses and their pains. My wounds grow foul and fester, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. They relate their close brushes with death, crying, the snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. Clearly, humans fear injury, illness, pain, loss, death. What's more, in my devilish discernment, I am noticing phrases in the Psalms like, the insolent have risen against me, and wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me. I am an object of scorn to my accusers, and at my stumbling they gathered in glee. Being a modern devil, I'm not studying scrolls, but this convenient copy of the New Revised Standard Version, and this copy appends a Psalm title to every psalm, describing its contents. And I am noticing titles like Judgment on the Deceitful and Prayer for Vengeance. And here's a good one, Psalm 55, Complaint about a Friend's Treachery. And number 74, Plea for Help in Time of National Humiliation. I notice that in these psalms, the speakers often highlight their own faithfulness while pointing out the faults of others. They beg for their own vindication and for their enemies' shame and even destruction. And some of the language they use is shocking, even for me, the devil. And now I am on to something. Now I know what humans really crave is a guarantee that nothing will hurt them, especially other people. What humans crave is a God who will let no evil befall them, a protecting God, maybe even a helicopter god who won't even let them stub their toe. Having that kind of god on your side, it's like all that power is yours. Nothing can hurt you. Not illness or arrows, not lions or serpents, not enemies, not friends, not even humiliation. And this is why I, the devil, tempt Jesus with power. Power to bend the laws of nature so that stones can be turned to bread or a human can leap from a height without a harm. Power to bend the laws of society so that a humble Jew can rise to the pinnacle of worldly rule. Power is my lure, and scripture itself is my weapon. Thinks I the devil, I cannot lose. But we know how this turns out. Jesus wins the day. He refuses to succumb to the devil's offer. He sees the devil's psalm and raises him Deuteronomy. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus turns away power. And yet he continues to do just what Psalm 91 invites us to do. Trust in God. You trust God, don't you? But honestly, based on your experience, would you have written Psalm 91? You can write a psalm, you know. Remember, the psalms are people talking to God. You're allowed. So what would you write? Can you honestly say that because you trust in God, you have never been hurt? 
never been sick, never even stubbed your toe? Or would you declare that you have experienced God's protection as something other than helicopter God? Would you declare that you have been hurt physically, emotionally, even spiritually, and yet you experience God as protector? So tell us then, what does God's protection look like? What does it feel like? Let's look again at Psalm 91. Let's look this time through our own eyes, the eyes of humans seeking encouragement and hope. Go ahead and get your bulletin out. Let's look at it. Skip past the part about the lion and the adder and start where it says, Those who love me, I will deliver. The Psalms are people talking to God, but sometimes God talks back. Right here in Psalm 91, this is the part where God starts talking. And here, when God promises protection, what does God say protection looks like? When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. God's protection looks and feels and sounds like presence. Not a promise that we won't be hurt, but a promise that God will be with us when the hurt happens. My experience of God is not that God rescues me by catching me before I fall, but by picking me up when I do. God's protection is not a power that makes us invulnerable. God's protection is a love that honors our vulnerability with tender care. The long life that God promises in this psalm may be short on earth, but it is eternal in God's presence. God's salvation is relationship. God's promise is not that we won't be hurt, but that we won't be alone. Jesus is able to resist the devil's temptations because he's divine, right? No. Jesus can do that because Jesus is human. Jesus resists the allure of power not by drawing on his divinity, but by living fully into his humanity, living fully and willingly into his vulnerability, rather than grasp for the power to overcome it. And we are invited to do the same. When Jesus offered his friends bread and cup, he offered them as his body and blood, the very stuff of mortality. For us, let that be a sign that being in relationship with God means living fully and willingly into our own humanity and vulnerability. Will we be hurt? Yes. Will we be alone? Never. Will we be loved? Always. By the power of God. Amen.